Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 23 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam Brennan, and I am here with the greatest co-host in the land, Sir David Hogue. How are you, man? I am doing well. I, I have to say that I just read somewhere that basically you could skip the first 90 seconds of any podcast and you wouldn't miss anything. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'm going to go ahead and make this 120 seconds of awkwardness so that even the cheaters still have nothing to listen to. But uh, it's episode 23. I know. That was Michael Jordan's number. Or LeBron James, depending upon your generation, I suppose. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, there are some kids that don't that think that 23 is LeBron's number. And anyways, I don't know where, where I don't even like basketball that much. No, Man, it'll always be my. Why did you curse me with that 90 second comment, Dave? Now my, <laughs> my brain is just like, you have nothing useful to say. Just keep talking. But I do have something useful to say, sir. And that is that our t-shirts and our hoodies are almost done. We have like sold, we have sold, we have met 60% of our goal thus far. Which is good. Which is good, and that does mean the shirts will print. So if we don't sell a single one between now and the 18th of August, the t-shirts will, the t-shirts and hoodies will still print. So don't worry, if you've already pledged your money, you're going to get what you, what you paid for. But it wouldn't be as fun as if we got to reach our goal, because then we could give you all digital high fives. So... If you don't know what we're talking about, or if you just want to see what we're talking about, you can go to teespring.com. That's T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G, teespring.com slash master dash class. And you will see a blue t-shirt with a bear on the front and then a, a, a pithy little saying on the back. <laughs> Uh, the t-shirts come in men's cut, women's cut, or you can get a hoodie, and they both come in a bright blue or a charcoal gray. Dave, you bought some, didn't you? What did you get? I personally got the gray. T-shirt? T-shirt. Okay. Yes. And I got uh, blue for my oldest daughter, and those are t-shirts. Well, I spoiled myself. <laughs> I got the blue t-shirt. I bought my wife the blue t-shirt, and then I bought myself the gray hoodie because I think it looks awesome. I, I like that gray. So anyhow, there's a week left, and once the campaign ends on the 18th of August, these shirts are no more. It's a limited run, so you can be one of, at this point, one of 12 people on the entire planet that has this t-shirt. So that's kind of cool. But it'd be like even cooler if it was like you could be one out of like 22 people. <laughs> so anyways, I think we're done um, promoting ourselves. That feels <laughs> kind of weird. But please, if you know somebody famous, tell them about it. <laughs> tell them to buy our shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, follow-up, Dave. It's not really follow-up. Okay. Global Leadership Summit. I'm talking too much. No, you're, no, you're fine. Go. All right. So the Global Leadership Summit, was that was like the worst transition ever, by the way. Yeah, it wasn't good. No. That's we, all right, though. We missed a week. <laughs> Gosh, I'm sorry. Just just fast forward 30 seconds. <laughs> um, the Global Leadership Summit was August 6th and 7th, or 7th and 8th, I can't remember. It was Thursday and Friday of this past week. 
And uh, if you're not aware of what this is, um, Willow Creek started what was then called the Leadership Summit 21 years ago. And so uh, Willow Creek is a big mega church um, in the Chicago suburbs. Bill Hybels is the lead pastor. And so he started this Leadership Summit 21 years ago. Um, and, and the way it got started was he kind of has this phrase that says, when leaders get better, everybody wins. And so though it was started by a church and by Christians, it is not a conference for or about Christianity. It, it is solely about how do we make people into better leaders. And so uh, this year, for example, like the CEO of Pixar was there, Ed Catmull, um, who looks a whole lot like one of my old Bible professors from college. It was super <laughs> weird. Um, but I, I don't think that Ed is a Christian, but he still flew all the way from oh, California yeah. to Chicago to do this thing. And, and there was uh, a few years ago, Colin Powell was there. Uh, the rapper and singer Common was there this year, um, which was really funny to see him and Bill Hybels on stage because Common's from Chicago and Bill Hybels is from the suburbs of Chicago. <laughs> it's just an interesting mix. Um, there was uh, Craig Groeschel was there. Um, Brené Brown, who's a doctor, uh, Jim Collins is a PhD. Yeah, and I actually got to see him. He's a in the early nineties. Interesting fella. He is an interesting fella. He's like a caricature of a human being when he's speaking, but he is just like he was talking. Cool. I was just taking and notes. He's taking smart, notes. Yes. He's incredibly smart. He just did a two-year residency at West Point. Oh, I didn't know that. About leadership and how they develop people and. Um, horse. And he's, he's an author. Yeah, he's an he author good, and a researcher. Good, good to great, mm-hmm. and built to last were two that built to last was the one that was. I don't know which came for. Actually, I think I have an autographed copy of built to last from oh, Mr. Collins. So. Yeah, I, so I got to see him when we. Were I there. really enjoyed his session. I like uh, him too. Horst Schulze was there. He is the former CEO of Ritz Carlton Hotels. Did not know that. And now has his own hotel group called the Capella Group. Hmm. Uh, he was very German. <laughs> but like in like an excited, fun German, which I feel like is a rare yes. form of German. <laughs> uh, uh, Sally is either Krawcheck or Krawchuk. I can't remember. She was the CEO of Merrill Lynch and then Smith Barney, and then she was a CFO of Citigroup. So a wow. huge Wall Street player. Got fired on the front page of the Wall Street Journal twice. <laughs> That's actually pretty impressive. Yeah, and she was kind of bragging about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I was on the cover of the Wall Street Journal twice. I don't I don't know if she's a Christian. Or, like, there was many of the speakers that you weren't sure if they were. You obviously knew the ones that were because they were mostly pastors. Um, but the, the, the idea of the Global Leadership Summit to me is I went in very skeptical because – a lot of the times, like I went to a private Christian college, Taylor University, and they always talk about, oh, we're going to make the leaders of leaders. And then, oh, we're going to make the leaders of leaders of leaders. And it's all about leadership, this and leaders. And it was just, it became such a buzzword to me, um, especially like, you know, with like Catalyst and, you know, Andy Stanley's all about leadership and which is good. But it's just, to me, it was just like overload. Can we focus on another word? Well, please? and everybody can't be a leader. Kind well, of. It's but like, everyone okay, should making, be making everybody a leader. Like, you're the leader of your two man group and you're the leader in your home. And, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I kind of went into this like a bit jaded to the whole idea of like, oh, God, a leadership conference. But free tickets 
graciously given to us by a local church here that's helping our church plant. Um, they paid for our lunches. It was, they treated us really, really well. Um, and I haven't been to, and I was just like, you know what? This is going to be good for me. I, I'm going to learn something. Um, it was incredible. How big of a group went? Um, well, at the church that was hosting the simulcast, I think there was like, I heard 700 and I heard 500. So we'll just agree on 600. Okay. <laughs> and that was just that people. Satellite. Yeah. The, the biggest one, guess, guess where the biggest simulcast group was in the country. Oh, and I was going to say, it's in it the a, Midwest it's, it's somewhere. It's in America? Yeah. In the, in America. Detroit. No. <laughs> Fort Wayne, Indiana. 2,500 people at this one church are watching it. In Fort Wayne. That's interesting. Yeah, I was shocked. But anyways, the point of all of this is that if you were like me and you are jaded towards buzzwords like leadership and all that sort of stuff within the church, do yourself a favor and look into the Global Leadership Summit. Um, I took detailed notes for about 85% of the keynotes. Um, and they're things that I'm going to revisit and write about because I was, I was very positively impacted by mm. a lot of what I said. Um, a lot, some of it's getting applied to my day job at the bank and how I can be a better manager and a better leader of, of my, you know, team at my branch that I am the leader of right. by, by appointment. Um, so some of it was was focused there, and then other other bits of it was just focused on where I want to be down the road, um, and and the biggest thing I came away with, I guess, to kind of maybe tie this up into something that makes sense, is that no matter what industry you're in, no matter what your profession is, no matter where your standing is in the social structure, is that people matter, and the better we can lead and care and love other people around us, the better life is going to be for everybody. And so when Bill Heibel says, when leaders get better, everybody wins, it's true. And if you think about it, if the people that are your leaders are better at communicating, are better at caring, are better at um, being a mentor and serving and um, creating value in the people around them, well, then you're going to benefit from that as well. Well, I even think the things that you just mentioned probably aren't traditionally thought of as leadership things. I mean, caring, being a servant, you know, I mean, that's, I get that there's kind of those paradigm shifts out there, but even with that being true, I would say, you know, being in my job, you, if you were to say, and I can't remember what all you said, but, you know, just, just being somebody that was invested in people that was caring, that was a servant, that sort of thing they'd look at you like, what does that have to do with leadership? So I think that even in that is probably, a, a, you know, even though some of these folks may not be per se in the church or Christians or things like that, there are still probably um, basic values, basic truths that apply. And um, obviously these people have figured it out and that's why they're good at what they do. And um it, it it's funny. I, I'm kind of having that moment of just realizing as much as the term leadership and all that stuff gets thrown around, uh, the reality is there are a lot of bad leaders out there, <laughs> a lot of bad people in positions not leading well. Well, they think it's about power and it's right. about authority. And, and one of the things that Jim Collins said 
that I will I don't think I'll ever forget is he said the second you have to pull rank on somebody, you have um, forfeited your power as a leader. Huh? He said some. He said the best generals when he was at West Point. He goes the best generals that I've ever spoken to about leadership are ones that can honestly look me in the eye and, and said, I've never had to tell someone that's an order because the person they're talking to respects them enough as a leader can tell that they genuinely care about them so that when I tell you to do something, you're going to do it because you know that I have your best interest at, at in mind and that I genuinely care about you as a person and that you have value. And so he says they've never once had to pull rank and say, that's an order to get someone to, a good Follow leader. Them. Yeah. He said he said the best generals that he 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 was able to interview and talk with and study. They they said he said they could look him in the eye and say I've never had to say that's an order. Hmm. Cuz I guarantee there's a lot that have. Oh, <laughs> because it's the oh, I've got more stars than you and it's even even, even like in a bank situation it's like you need to do this because I told you to. That's not leadership. That's right. A dictatorship, you know. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, a lot more thoughts on it, but I just wanted to... Like, oh, also, they have an app. It's GLS for Global Leadership Summit, GLS Next. And it's got it's totally free, um, free to download, free to use, and it's constantly updated with new videos and resources for you to just kind of scope out. Um, so videos from like Bill Hybels and a bunch of previous... Um, speakers at the conference. They don't have stuff from this year's conference or last year's conference, but pretty much stuff from conferences 2013 in the past, and then short little videos that are made specifically for it. So if you are someone who is in a leadership position and would like some free, really, really high-quality help, check that app out. There will be a link in the show notes, but it's GLS Next. It has 42 reviews, and it looks like it has a five-star rating, which is pretty not a lot of things on iTunes or is that what it's on iTunes? My Apple App Store. There are not a lot of things that get a full five stars. So that's pretty impressive for it to have that. Yeah, definitely check that out. Also, if you're in a company and you want to see your leadership culture change, you should look into next year's summit. Even if you're not a Christian, there are plenty of people there that aren't Christians that still go because the caliber of teaching that they get is better than anywhere else. So if you can put up with a few people praying and a few people singing a song or two, you will benefit. <laughs> and there are satellite places all, all over. The, yeah, so the the initial weekend is U.S. and Canada, live simulcast from Chicago. And then a few months later, after they've had a chance to translate it, it is then rebroadcast to countries all over the world in local tongue. How hard is it to get to the actually be at the event in Chicago. <laughs> Sells out in three hours. It's already like it, they, they, they announced it at, yeah, they announced it on the second day of the conference and they said last year Chicago sold out in three hours. Wow. Yeah, I so. honestly went to that like in the early nineties when it was Jim Collins was the only one. Mm-hmm. And it was built to last and Jim and Bill Hybels spoke mostly and it was well worth it. 20 years ago, so, I mean, I don't think it's been quite 20 years ago, but close to it. <laughs> it wasn't the first one, or the second one. Well, I feel like I've talked a lot, Dave. That's quite right. It's good stuff. Glad you to hear it. Uh, yeah, because I, like I said, I I mean, when we went many, a long time ago, and um, I will definitely look back into that again, so. 
Yeah, they converted me. I was I was skeptical, and now I'm kind of like drinking the Kool Aid. So. Yeah, and that's you know that was kind of my recollection of it too. Was I was never a big conference person when I was doing ministry. Mm-hmm. I just I, I do feel I I kind of had that just sense of um, a lot of canned stuff and. Um, do recall going to Willow Creek and just being very impressed with how they did the things that they did. And, um, so yeah, have to check that out. Shall we dive into sure. our main topic? Sounds good. All right. Will you do us the honors? Uh, yes, I will read Matthew seven verses 15 through 23. So it's kind of a pretty, pretty big chunk here. Um, <laughs> Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So a diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Hmm. So this is a pretty simple, straight, (laughs) cut and dry one, right? Sure. Let's let's just start with fruit, shall we? I like fruit. <laughs> Apples are good. How do we when he he mentions good fruit and bad fruit quite a bit here? What what is what does Jesus mean when he says good fruit and what does he mean when he says bad fruit? Um I don't really know. Um, <laughs> and that's I you know, I mean that's that is one of the reasons why I, I do this, why I think we do it, is, um, you know, personally, I just, I sit in church at times, or I read an author or something like this, and um, I, they kind of give you the answer. And I, I don't usually debate the answer that they give when you're talking about a topic, but I kind of am like, well, how did they arrive at that? How do they know that to be true? And um, this is one of the things that I hope people get from our, our podcast is, um, that we are truly kind of working through this ourselves. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the topics that came up was, you know, worry being a sin or not. And I've continued to wrestle with that since I think episode 19. So over a month of, of kind of thinking about that. And so I guess one of the things that I hope that people get out of our podcast and the time that they spend with us is that God is a big God and he can handle our questions uh, God is a big God. He can handle our doubts and that you don't have to come before him knowing exactly what you believe or completely understanding scripture and that there is this sense of working out your faith. There's a sense of working out what you believe. And, you know, when it says what is good fruit and what is bad fruit, uh, on the surface of that, okay, well, I I have a pretty good idea of what I think good fruit and bad fruit would be. Um, and kind of a the next question or, or one of the things that I was thinking about is, well, if somebody is in charge of a church 
and they have a church that is well attended. On the surface, wouldn't that lend you to believe that that person is doing something correctly? You know, it's like, wow, they've got a big church. They got a lot of people that want to go there. So wouldn't that be good fruit? Um, And if somebody's got a church that nobody's going to, wouldn't that be bad fruit? And based on my personal experience, I don't think those things are true. Um, I think it's, um, one, I think it's typical of, of being a 21st century American and our idea of success. You know, if your baseball team is good, then your stadium is full. If your baseball team is bad, like mine, then, you know, <laughs> nobody shows up. And uh, so, you know. Well, that's true, except for the Cubs. Yeah. Even when they're the bad, lovable they sell... losers, yeah. God, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't either. I don't like them either, but anyway. Well, you're a White Sox fan. <laughs> so, so, you know, so from a worldly standpoint, um, what we talk about being successful or bearing fruit is probably not this. Well, I don't believe it's the same thing. Is is what God is talking about in terms of fruit here? Um, and you know. So yeah. So I, I, I guess ultimately I don't completely know. Um, but I'm, I want to work through that and kind of come to a, oh okay. Well, I kind of have an idea of. Uh, what this is. And so like giving the example of a church full of people and a church not full of people, I think there's an element of a church full of people uh, reveals a pastor that says what people want to hear. Now, even in that, as I say something like that, I'm like, well, so just because I hear something and I agree with it, does that mean that it's not good fruit just because, you know, I agree with it? Well, no, because I have mentioned before on this that I like listening to books on tape and I listen to people like Dallas Willard. And as I'm listening to him, I'm like, hmm, yeah, I agree with what he's saying. And it's not just, you know, tickling my ears and pleasing what I want to hear. Uh, it is it is based on truth. And so um, in a roundabout way, um, I guess that was kind of one of the first things that I arrived on was uh, good fruit is going to be based in truth, and it's going to stand up uh, to truth. Um, a couple of verses, oh gosh, what did I do with this now? Um, a couple of verses um, that I have enjoyed um, in terms of, of testing my faith and the things that I hear, and um, gosh, I'm going to have to actually try to go to my Bible here and see if I can actually remember this. As I know it's in the book of Acts, uh, and I know that it's related to a 17 <laughs> and I can't remember if it's 11, 17. Um, but it talks about the Bereans. Oh, it's Acts, it's Acts chapter 17. It, act, it is Acts 17, 11, yeah, maybe. Cause you brought this up before. Oh, I have mentioned it. Okay. Yeah. And I used it for <laughs> something the other day and I can't remember what. So Acts 17, 11 says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with eagerness, examining scripture daily to see if these things were so. So they heard what they heard, but they didn't just take it at face value. They then went to scripture and said, does this stand up uh, to what scripture says? Does it, does it hold true? And so um, to me, uh, that is where, um, that is a fruit is it is, is it lines up with scripture? It, it, 
um, has merit to it, and uh, it is it is based in truth. And so, you know, as we talk about false prophets and that sort of thing, as we've mentioned here before, um, the the uh, proclaim it. What is it? <laughs> I can never remember this one either. Name it and claim it. Yeah. Name it and claim it, kind of thing. And that you know you can have your best life now. And, and those sorts of things. And that just doesn't hold up to Scripture. I mean, Scripture talks about uh, that this life will be difficult, that it's not about this world. And if you look at people like John, uh, like Peter, uh, they were martyred for what they believed. Uh, you know, God sent his only son, and ultimately he was crucified on the cross. So if he's going to crucify his old, if, if God's going to crucify his own son, you know, I think we need to take that into consideration of, boy, my life really, in the whole context of things, um, is not that bad. And if I could look at it, what God calls us to and what he's about, the truth that he is, um, this life is going to be difficult and there's going to be suffering. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? I've kind of rambled on here for a while. Um, well, I think like my initial thoughts are very simple and it's like, well, good fruit is good Christians and bad fruit is bad people. <laughs> like, um, but I, I think that um, upon further reflection, um, I think that verse 15 is very telling of what good and bad fruit is. Uh, it says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So they are pretending to be something they are not. Um, their their motivations and their intentions are to harm people or to lead people astray or to seek fame and money and prosperity or um, power. In order, But in order to do so, they pretend to be a good sheep and, you know, there have been plenty of people that have used the church and God and the Bible to um, perpetuate their own agendas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I think of what is a good fruit and what is bad fruit, I think of what are the motivations and um, desires of the people that follow a leader. Um, so is is a leader... Um, you know, is preaching a certain way of life. Uh, uh, are the motivations of the people that follow that person, in this case, to honor God and to glorify Him in all that they do, or to honor themselves? Are there are there motivations for being a part of that church, being a part of that congregation, claiming to be a Christian? Are there are there motivations pure? And if the, if you know they are, then then it's good fruit. Sure. Yeah. Um, and if they're not, then it's bad. And, and there are a lot of what ifs in that situation. You know, there's a there's a passage of scripture in um, Philippians one um, that goes a lot like this. If I can pull it up, <laughs> but essentially, well, I can't pull it up right now because my phone's being dumb. Um, but essentially, it's. Paul's in prison, and there's a bunch of people out there that are um, saying this, that, and the other thing. And Paul's kind of response is like, "Who cares? People are hearing the gospel. Whether whether this right. person's preaching it for for good intentions or not, 
Christ is still being honored because the gospel being preached. And so I didn't, I didn't want to, I want to come back to that because that seems to be kind of contradictory to what we're talking about now. Um, but as far as like good and bad fruit is concerned, I think part of it is like, will it, it's not a momentary thing. Like it's kind of like an overtime thing, you know, like fruit grows and then, mm. Yeah. So how do we know if a pastor is a false prophet? Well, you know by his fruit. Well, that takes a long time to figure out. You know, some people you can tell right away that guy's a nutcase. <laughs> Other people are a lot more subtle about sure. it. So I, I, I think I'm with you in that the I think I have an idea of what good and bad fruit means, but I also think that um, there's a lot more to it that I'm not so sure about. Right. And, and I, I guess I would agree with you in terms of that. What is your motivation for that? And um, because I think you can even go to a, a Bible-believing church, a Bible-preaching church where they have sound doctrine. They are, they are proclaiming the truth. But if all you do is go on Sunday mornings and be like, God, that was really entertaining, that really just, boy, he did a great job, you know, and then you walk out of that church and you never, you know, nothing in you changes, even if it's one Sunday or if it's a hundred Sundays, you know, there should be that sense of, I'm not just being a consumer, you know, uh, a consumer that goes and just wants to hear what they want to hear, uh, versus somebody that kind of processes what they hear. They try to make a change within themselves. They try to make a change within their world. Um, Ultimately, we got to surrender to the Holy Spirit and His grace because it's not up to us. But there really does need to be, um, I you know, there needs to be effort. There really does. So, uh, yeah, Second Timothy um, four, three, and four were the ones that came to me, and I think this even fits with what we were just talking about. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to truth and wander off into myths. And so it's just that, oh, I want to hear that I can be happy and healthy and wealthy and wise. And all I've got to do is just be positive and it'll all happen for me. So such a naive view, viewpoint or uh, point of view. Yeah. If I can get my words in the right order. <laughs> Yikes. All right. Um, so let's go back to that Philippians passage, and I'll read it. Did you find it? I did find okay, it. Okay, good. Because I remember. <laughs> I remembered how to work my phone, everybody. All right. So it's Philippians chapter 1, and uh, starts in verse 12. And this is Paul talking. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, those that are doing it out of envy and rivalry, proclaim Christ out of a selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So, 
how do we take what Christ is saying here that like a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit and a diseased tree cannot bear healthy fruit, which seems to me to be a bit like oversimplified. Yes, I would agree. Um, but I get the point he's making. Um, but how do we take what he's saying there and then read what Paul says here? He's just like, who cares whether these people are doing it for bad motivations, envy and rivalry, um, or a selfish ambition are preaching Christ. He says in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed in a, in that I rejoice. So how do we, how do we mash these two together and make sense of it? Cause they seem to not, I, I don't know if I'm going to make any sense out of it, but what you said earlier to me really was kind of one of those aha moments of, you can sit under either kind of a teacher. You can sit underneath a good teacher or a bad teacher. And I think truly, if you're seeking God, he is going to show you the right thing. So, um, I, you know, um, you know, cause you kind of mentioned the, your point was sort of the, you can sit underneath a bad teacher and Christ is proclaimed. So what? The gospel is being proclaimed. That's a good thing. And then I kind of had that realization of, wow, you could totally sit underneath a truthful, God-fearing, you know, desires to do God's will type teacher and still be nothing but a consumer. So I do think there's an element of being, uh, there's some individual responsibility there um, is is one of the things between the two. Uh, But then at the same time, there's sort of that, well, and even in that, to me, kind of seems like an individual responsibility. I mean, he's telling individuals, you need to beware of false prophets mm-hmm. who are going to come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Recognize them by their fruits. So it's kind of that, um, you know, you need to be on your guard. You need to pay attention to this. And again, I think it's so much like what we see in, in the Bible and of God's heart. It's not like he's created this, don't do this because I want you to be miserable. It's don't do it because I'm looking out for you and I care about you. Um, again, I'm just, I'm reminded of being a parent, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know if my, if this is making any sense or not, but I think in, in the whole scheme of this thing, um, there's kind of an individual responsibility and ultimately, wouldn't you want to sit underneath somebody that is seeking God and proclaiming the truth versus somebody that is proclaiming something that is absolute garbage and maybe even leading into your, um, I don't know, dem- I don't know if demise is the word I want to say, but it's just not, it does not have your best interest, you know, because it's it doesn't do you any good to be happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise in this life if you end up in hell. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what we call a uh, a downturn, <laughs> <laughs> a tragedy, if you will. Yes. Yeah. So, I think that like like you, I agree that here Jesus is speaking specifically to the individual. Like, hey, you over there beware like exactly what you said and i think that paul is kind of just addressing the overall idea of like okay they're doing it for the wrong reasons jesus talks about that but who cares in the grand scheme of things like 
yeah. Christ is still proclaimed. So I think Paul is taking a much uh, more like eternal viewpoint, like the gospel is still being proclaimed. Yep. And and if you read Paul's writings, you know that he rails against people that are against God. So it's, this is not him just saying like it's okay to be a false prophet. I think he's like, look, I'm in prison. These people are trying to get the best of me. I'm not going to let them do it. Even if they're doing it the wrong way, Christ is still going to win. The glory is still going to go to Christ. Yeah, truth so. is still truth. and Exactly. And, and where Jesus is taking a very minute individualistic approach, like, hey, you, be aware there are people like this out there that are going to want to try and take advantage of you to, for their own gain. And you need to be aware, like you said, and watch for the fruit and discern for yourself right. whether or not this person is glorifying me or trying to glorify themselves. Yeah. So I think that's how they work together. But at first I was reading this and I was like, wait a minute, Paul says something very different than this, but kind of in context of what Paul is addressing and what Jesus is doing here in the Sermon on the Mount, I feel comfortable in saying that Jesus is speaking to a very specific individual with some very wise words. And Paul's just saying, look, these people are trying to get to me. Bottom line, Christ is going to be glorified regardless. So that's, that's how I go to sleep at night, <laughs> knowing that Paul and Jesus agree. <laughs> yes. Well, and this is one of the themes that I've kind of had in my life lately. And I do believe it came from Dallas Willard. And I can't tell you there of just the, the outcomes are not up to us. And I, I, I just, I know personally, I so operate from the outcomes are dependent on me mm-hmm. and I, and I operate from such that place in my job and my life and my family of, I've got to do the right thing. I've got to say the right thing. I've got to work hard enough. And God is just convicting me over and over again of, um, yeah, you, you need to, you need to try to point your compass in the right direction. You need to be focused on me, but ultimately let me decide what the outcomes are going to be because, well, he's God and I do believe he has a better idea of what he's doing than I do. So I will trust him in that. Smart move. <laughs> when I can. <laughs> All right. Did we answer all of our questions already? No, no. We still, we still, have, we still have a few more questions. No, but I mean indirectly, did we? I think... Okay. Yeah, I think we can move on to question two from the end, which all of our listeners are clearly going to know because they can see our show notes. <laughs> uh, what the heck is going on in verses 21, 22, and 23? This seems real harsh. It, it seems really harsh, and I don't know if we have like a, a sensor button because when I read those questions, they honestly scare the shh out of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, no, I, I, genuinely, um, it, this is, this is I, I can honestly say that this is one of those verses that when I read it, I'm just like, oh, I hope that's not me, you know, because not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And as I look at at that verse in particular, I I know I'm very much a person that I say, like to say the right things, I pray the right things, I, you know, I have this like surface level of being correct. And then it says... uh, but do the will of my father who is in heaven. 
And that's where I'm kind of like, wow, do I do the will of God that's in heaven? Because there's a lot of things I know I don't do. Um, and then, you know, just the second part, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, did many works in your name. I haven't prophesied, I haven't cast out demons, but I would be like, hey, I've done a lot for you, God. I was a youth pastor. I did this podcast, you know, I took my kids to church, uh, so, um, and then it finally says, and then I will declare them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And as much as I hate this cliche, I, I really hate this, but I'm going to say <laughs> but it. But you're going to say it anyway. I'm going to say it anywhere. <laughs> and it, it is truly, um, because I think it's accurate, it's the whole, uh, we are human beings, not human doings. Oh, I know, I just said it. And uh, as much as I hate that cliche. Yeah, it's worse. Or it's terrible. It is terrible. That is where it comes down to. It's not about what we do and what we don't do. Um, I think ultimately it is the relationship that we have with God. And But it um, says the one who does the will of my father. Who's well, that's true, too. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> there you go. It doesn't say the one who but see, bees the will of but, my but father. See, and, and I guess that's where, I guess that's, I, I, I will say this, that the, the doing in this, um, but the one who does the will of my father in heaven, I believe the will, uh, what he wants us to do is to know him and to be in a relationship with him. And I don't think that's about this. It, uh, God, I'm not even going to be able to articulate this. I really am not. Our 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 value is in God loving us and who we are, and not what we do, not what we've done, not what we have the potential to do, but just in who we are. And the only way I can describe this, and I, I hope this does an ounce of justice of what I'm trying to say. I hope I don't offend anyone, particularly the person in particular that I'm going to talk about. Um, but I have, my youngest son is adopted and my youngest son is handicapped and he can't do a whole lot for me. Mm-hmm. There's, there's not a whole lot. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. You know, when you're handicapped and you can't walk, and we went to back to school tonight or, or meet the teacher night, and he walked into school with just a walking stick for the first time ever. He didn't use a walker, wasn't in a wheelchair. So I'm incredibly proud of that. But there's nothing in his doing, because he can't really talk very well. He can't, you know, it, it's just, but I love him tremendously and it has nothing to do with what he can do for me and has nothing to do with what he can do period he isn't even my biological son but he is so totally my kid and I so totally love him and it has again nothing to do with what he can or can't do but just who he is and that to me makes me realize that I am the same thing to God. I mean, I am just a handicapped, nonverbal, <laughs> fumbling fool. Mm-hmm. No offense. 
to my kid. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't mean it that way because you've shown God to me in so many uh, incredible ways that I get sort of that sense of there's nothing he could do to make, well, none of my three kids could ever do anything to make me love them any less. So that's kind of a standard. And I know I use this example a lot, but then to have an adopted child who is handicapped that truly has nothing to offer me um, in a worldly standpoint creates some of the greatest joy and the greatest love for me. And I think that is the way we are with God. And I don't know if I've done that justice or not, but um, it is a, I feel very blessed to have this living example for me of the gospel in Wilby. And I, when we adopted him, shoot, we thought we were rescuing him. And three (laughs) years into it, it's like, boy, he's done. It's, it's that total, you know, you're experiencing things you never thought you were going to experience um, with an eternal perspective, with a God perspective and who he is. And so I'll shut up there. (laughs) No, you're good. Um, I was going to say something, but Wilby takes the cake, so <laughs> he's a good kid. He is a good kid, and 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 you know, and it's funny because I say he doesn't have anything to offer because he does. You know, his hugs just mean so much. His smile, his personality. He does have like a world class smile. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous. There's there's there's, <laughs> there's 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 a charisma about him, so I don't even want to kind of say that he doesn't have that because he does. But it just makes me kind of go anyway. Again, it's a God thing, so and hopefully it stands up to the test of truth like we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my thoughts, um, I don't have kids yet. Hopefully one day there will be a mini-me running around and <laughs> the world will be the worse off for it. Um, but I can't help but like when I, when I read verse 21 where it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, back to the few times earlier in the Sermon on the Mount where he's saying truly they have gotten their reward. The person praying on the right. corner. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so to me, it's kind of like, I, I don't want lip service just because you called out and you did, you did a few things that, that looked good does not mean that you understand what it means to be in the kingdom of God. And I also think it's interesting that someone who's not going to be in the kingdom of God eternally can prophesy in his name, cast out demons, and do mighty works. Like, how powerful is God if he can do those things through people that don't really get him? Hmm. Like, that's <laughs> crazy to me. It is crazy. You know, and so that, that also brings to mind the part where Jesus says, you know, you'll do greater things than I. Which is just like, really, Jesus? Really? <laughs> am, am I going to do greater? No, I'm not. <laughs> do you know me? <laughs> I'm a Come continual screw-up. Like, you, you know, but it's... So to me, it's like doing the will of God is so much, says so much about a person and their character and what they believe than someone who just knows how to pray well or how to serve at a soup kitchen or, you know, is going to do the, the, big air quotes are the Christian nice thing to do. Sure. You know, the person who knows how to play church, whereas the person who is actually genuinely seeking to do the will of God, there's, there's a level of commitment to that second part 
and a lack of um, artificiality that is totally present in the first person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, do these verses scare the crap out of me? <laughs> yeah, because guess what? Every once in a while, I'm a little fake, and I put on the show because, you know, I grew up in the church with parents. I know how to play church better than most people. Mm-hmm. At a very young age, I knew how to do it. I figured it out quick because I was always there. Um, and so part of me is freaked out because, like, that's a really easy tendency for me to fall into is, like, say the right things, you know, like I have a master's degree in, in biblical studies. I know the Bible pretty well. I can quote it. I can, you know, if I can't quote it, I can find it in two seconds. Like, I have the skills and the requisite experience to play church very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an easy trap for me to fall into. And so I read this, and it's just kind of one of those reminders, like, it's not about what I know. It's not about what I can say. It's not about what sort, how I can impress people with my knowledge of the Bible or the church or theology. It's, am at the end of the day, am I trying to do the will of God? Am I trying to not even see that is, is my focus is my intent is my desire to glorify God. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, then I'm good because my, my motivations and my goals are correct. I'm motivated by God's goodness and his love for me to be good and love him back and to seek his will. My motivation is not to be, not to give him lip service. So, um, yeah, these verses are top five, like scary, <laughs> like, Oh crap. <laughs> yeah. But I think that sometimes we need those right. holy crap moments to be like, okay, quick check. Like what are my motivations? Why am I doing this? You know, and, and, am do I really, do I really love God or do I just like what he has to offer? Yep. Because if you just like what he has to offer, well, guess what? I never knew you depart from me. <laughs> like, but if we love him and we are committed and we want to glorify him, not just because of what he offers, but of who he is, that's a different ballgame. Yep. And I will say that Dallas Willard, again, says, if you read this and it causes you concern and you're worried about, is that me? That's probably a good sign. You know, he's like, you know, if you're if you're reading these going, oh, I think that might be me, uh, it's probably not you. Versus mm-hmm. if you read it and you're kind of like, eh, eh not I'm me. Good. I'm good. Who <laughs> says Lord, Lord? I say, so, oh, Daddy Jesus. <laughs> so, and then another book that I'm going to throw out there is called The Gift of Being Yourself by David Benner, B-E-N-N-E-R. I think he's a psychology major. Um. And it, it kind of deals with um, addressing your false self, like kind of really uh, much like we talk about asking God to reveal sin to you, to you and, and, and really digging down to who am I, um, that book. And it's really, it's pretty, it's 118 pages. It's a short book. Um, but that book does a good job of um, kind of putting out some psychology but rooted in theology and just saying, um, yeah, we all have a false self that we sort of, uh, we lie to ourselves about who we are. And we kind of have this ideal person that we want, this image that we want to put out there. And the reality is, is we need to spend some time with God working on that 
and quit worrying about the external false self that we put out kind of for others and really uh, embrace the fact that we are we are sinners. Um, so if somebody's inclined to look at that book, it's a good one, I think. Especially when dealing with the false self, which I think we've kind of touched on here. All right, last question. This is, I think, just meant to serve as a chance for us to say any last thoughts. But what specifically about this warning here at the end, those last three verses, um, what specifically about that matters today to Christians and to non-Christians or to people somewhere in the middle, (laughs) if that's a thing? No, I definitely think it's a thing. Um, Yeah, because I, I, you know, I think we're all at different places um, in our journey. And, um, well, I'm starting to go down a completely different tangent, so I won't do that. Um, I think it matters today, um, one, for the very, very simple, obvious fact of uh, we we are talking about where you're going to go, uh, your eternal destinations. I mean, that still applies. Um, is it about this life? Is it about the next life? Is it about, um, and I, I guess for me, I'm becoming just more and more aware of living in his kingdom now versus this sense of I became a Christian so I could get to go to heaven. Um, I truly... Uh, believe that God is available uh, to us now and more and more it is about knowing him and being in a relationship with him uh, versus doing things and I didn't live when Jesus lived I didn't live a hundred years ago but it just seems like we live in a culture where what you do does define you. Um, and I don't, like I said, maybe that's the way it's always been. I don't know. Um, but it, it definitely is the world that we live in now. And so, um, if I am somebody that wants to be a Christian and I want to go to heaven, I may default to, well, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to say my prayers. I'm going to, give to the needy. I'm going to do a bunch of things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quickly reminded of the, the five pillars of Islam and, you know, you got to give your alms and you got to visit Mecca and you got to, you know, you got to do all these things. And if you do these five things, then, um, you will get to heaven. And, uh, Christianity is not that way. It is, it is God's grace and his forgiveness. Um, and so I think that, I guess that's why it matters to to today is that we live in a culture where what we do um, can define us in terms of the world standards, but clearly that is not how God defines us and defines our values. Um, you know, it's it's just interesting because it, it, it's just funny the things that pop in your head as you're talking about this stuff. Because the, the, the thing that, that pops into my head, and I don't, I don't even know why this is what I th- I'm thinking of, but it's Bruce, the, the Bruce Jenner and, and Caitlyn Jenner. And him being defined by 
um, what he does. And boy, I know that's such a can of worms and there's so much in, in, involved in that. But wholeheartedly, I believe that none of that matters, that God still sees, and I, and I believe this, I believe God sees that hurting person that is in there, wants to forgive his sins, wants to love him, wants him to be the man that God created him to be. And this, this, there's kind of this like external, like face that we put on ourselves that it's all about doing. And it really doesn't define who we are. Um, Male or female, that doesn't even really define Bruce Jenner, the man that God created. I don't know if I'm totally going down this like random God, God wants to know us on a very intimate, personal level, and it is just so not about doing. And I don't know that I'm making any sense <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, but I'm just anyway. thinking about the flack we're gonna get because you're calling him Bruce and not her, Caitlin. Well, it's it. That's what I guess. That's kind of my point. Is yeah. is there is this person being that God created, and as much as we want to put on this external mask and change it it's not we can't do that and i know i'm i may be kind of blurring my metaphors here but um yeah it's just there there's we can't do that there's just a very real person that god loves in there and wants to know intimately and we just do so many different things we may not go to that extreme of uh, plastic surgery to change who we are but I definitely think we all do things to make others love us. We all do things to make God love us. And we all do things uh, to make ourselves more acceptable, um, you know, more whatever you want to say it is. And the reality is, is like God's like, I don't care about all the doing. I truly love you, the person that I created you to be and want you to be that. So... I hope that makes a little bit of sense to somebody. (laughs) The first time I really just ever just (laughs) like, I feel like Cam's looking at me like, what are you talking about? No, no, you're good. (laughs) All right. You are good, sir. But I think that's going to wrap it up for today. All right. No, I just, I don't, nothing I can add will be a benefit. So I I will shut my mouth. Sounds good. I probably should have done that like 10 minutes ago. Nah, nonsense. (laughs) So that brings us to the end of episode 23. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Really, thank you very much. We enjoyed it. Yeah, you enjoyed this, which reminds me of that AT&T commercial. I appreciate that you appreciate that. I appreciate (laughs) you appreciating me. Anyways, uh, remember, if you've got thoughts on anything that we've said, whether you like it, dislike it, think we're crazy, or think we're smart, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter, at MasterclassFM, or you can email us at MasterclassFM, MasterclassFM at gmail.com, that's what that is. (laughs) And the show notes for this very episode, which will have links to all the fun things we talked about, including that Global Leadership Summit app will be found at masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash 23. Awesome. This is the 23rd episode. Yep. Um, 
new things on the horizons, friends. Stay tuned. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Bye. See you.